Welcome to 904 Pod episode, I believe this is five, or is this six? Anyway, today we're going to do a midweek special, and it's going to be about uh, finance and economics, which sounds boring, but I'm actually quite excited about this because I feel like everyone is uh, really curious about what everyone else is doing. Um, Whenever you read the news, everyone's like, oh, you better be like waiting for the drop. And I feel like there's so much pressure and anxiety that everyone's like making the right moves. So today we are joined first timers, Sean Burke and Steve Lee. And uh, yeah, let's get right into it. So um, first things first, Steve, I know that you were VP of B of A. You pulled up my LinkedIn, did you? So <laughs> explain to me what that means. Like one of the main reasons I wanted to do this pod was to like, yeah. I had touch with a lot of my homies and i realized that like i didn't even know what the fuck people were doing you know so yeah, I, I like you know i know that you were in banking but like right. what does that entail so basically i'm on the banking side where you know if a corporate company say mgm lionsgate wanted to go out and buy a company okay. the best example is if lionsgate bought stars they'll pay a combination of cash and stock and so for the cash portion they don't actually want to fork up cash out of their own wallet. So what they'll do is take on debt. Okay. Basically, my job is to look at the numbers, uh, look at the industry landscape, and help get the loan approved. Is that mergers and acquisitions? This is the debt part of the mergers and acquisitions, yeah. Like, as long as like the company is performing uh, from a financial perspective, then like, they can take on uh, corporate debt. Are you able to be like, yo, maybe don't buy stars? <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying it wasn't a good deal. <laughs> it's been a pretty good deal for them, actually. Stars. That was, was, stars, stars has been rocking, dude. Stars like software porn, isn't it? I mean, people that's, love it. That's what I was watching <laughs> back in '93. Wait, like Steve. <laughs> Steve, what do these people, you know, like Lionsgate? What do they put down, right? So when you want to buy a house, you have like the house's collateral. Right. You want to take a loan from the bank. You need to put something there for the bank to say, "This is good for, for sure. me." So what yeah, does Lionsgate put down? Um, depending on the type of structure it is, you either have a collateral on their cash flow or on like specific assets that are on the balance sheet, right? So like, um, so like your, Bagel your, 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 episode four, they might get a collateral on that. <laughs> yeah. <get> a cut. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when you have a ticket on mortgage, your house is your collateral, right? So you either have your performance as your collateral or like you have assets in your company as collateral. Okay. So Sean, you are our group's resident credit card slash personal finance guru. Do you think that's a fair assessment? I mean, I would definitely say so <laughs> on the credit cards, although, you know, there are people lurking in the wings, right, that play the game that don't really talk about it. So who knows who else is out there? So I've definitely gone hard. I mean, who would be second place? Sean, Sean, if you're Kobe Bryant, then second place is Tracy McGrady. So <laughs> far behind you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you're absolutely right there. <laughs> James Harden would be second, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I mean, debatable. That's what I'm saying. The first and second, second drop is stark. Yeah, okay. no, it's, uh, so, we're far apart here, but so, so later on, Sean, I want yeah. to actually fill us in on what you think we should be doing. Um, I don't know if it's just me. A lot of people I've been in contact with people at my work, a lot of our friends, peers are all really into, uh, the stock market and finance and like, what the fuck should we be doing? You know, like for all of us who are lucky enough to have any savings during all of this, um, and 
the reason I actually wanted you to come on was because I felt like you had a lot of uh, cool information that I never actually talked to you about directly. So I felt like you could just tell everybody. Oh, so we'll get yeah. into that in a little bit. And I think like mostly we just kind of want to talk about like um, how fucking wild the stock market is these days. As more and Man. more people are unemployed. Where is this money coming from that is driving these companies to keep like skyrocketing up, right? And I had read that like one of the things was um, people are losing their jobs. And so luckily for these corporations, their payrolls are cut by like 50%. Dude, who wants to take that one first? I mean, <laughs> who the hell knows, right? Like markets are like just made up of people and people are irrational. So that's like my shortest take. Number one, and I'm curious about your thoughts. So we're living in a social media age where you can go on Reddit, you can go on Wall Street Bets, you can go on Twitter, and you have people just pushing like a certain stock and everyone takes hold of it, right? Social media has been able to sink and shoot up certain companies in ways that like we've never really seen before. Tesla, um, Amarin. Don't talk and, about that, bro. I'm in oh, are you in that? <laughs> yeah, so, these are things that like the volatility that exists today is unprecedented, right? And number two is the political side of it. So you have Donald Trump, who is desperately seeking re-election with a corrupt and colluding Fed who are basically going to do whatever it takes to make sure that we don't see another recession. So how do people reliably trade in an environment like this? Dude, okay, so my quick take is that I think what they're doing is super dangerous. Um, I think they're creating a false sense of security within Wall Street that's trickling down to Main Street. That's when the bubble's happening. Right. And so there is a reckoning coming. Basically, they're building up top with no structure below. And I think the longer they keep pumping up the economy with quantitative easing, with like the various different like stimulus packages, like the jig is up at some point, right? Like people are losing their mm. jobs. I think I just saw China for the first time in decades had a GDP like decline. Oh, man. Um, a, like, what they're doing with the U.S. economy is dangerous, but then it's also like stems out to a bigger point of like globalization and like how everything is interconnected now, right? And the world is going towards globalization. U.S. politics is moving backwards into like just nationalistic. Right. And so like, this is a weird give and tug that's you know going to create this corrupt Fed-driven like society where it's really dangerous. Totally, yeah. dude. I mean, like nationalistically, it's not just the U.S. either. And then, like, as far as sort of Fed monetary policy, dude, we're in, like, uncharted territories when it comes to this, right? Like, conventional wisdom is, like, economy's booming, unemployment's super low, right? Like, everyone's got jobs. Um, that's when you start to kind of raise interest rates, right? Like, that's mm -hmm. when you start going upwards because, mm -hmm. you know, the economy as a whole can sort of support that engine. But, like, Trump's a fucking nut, you know? And, like... The economy is still going hard, and yet he's like pushing J-Pow and the Fed to like continue to cut rates. Where like that just seems antithetical for how you sort of approach monetary policy. Because mm -hmm. then when the jig is up, right? Then when we get like crashes and bubbles start popping, like what are the tools that we have at our disposal? But we're already at zero percent interest rates, so like then we go negative. Okay, sure. <laughs> I don't really know what the implications of that are, and it's frankly, boxed. like. No one really knows, and it's fucked, right? Like, and we don't see, know. And, and We've and never been thing. in that situation. 
like everyone keeps talking about 2008 and talking about the Great Depression. Sure. In my opinion, I don't think those are very fair assessments of it because we did not have a madman in power whose main right. goal was corporate bootlegging and sure. ensuring his own reelection, right? So right. I feel like it's just very inaccurate to do that. Um, my question is, you know, like the whole bit about uh, the Fed pumping these stocks, right? You look at the weekly charts of some of these stocks, it's literally like clockwork where it's equal parts up, mm. equal parts down. And what does it mean? Don't know, because Jason, to your point, the weekly chart, you could get even more granular. Like on a daily basis, the hourly chart almost matches up, right? I don't know what that? the implications are, right? But right. what we do know is that Trump has like a trusted group of confidants of like the financial heads of this company, right? Jamie right. Diamond, uh, Fink right. from BlackRock. There was something that I saw on Reddit today where Jamie Diamond went into a meeting with Trump and after several days of like green bull runs, Jamie Diamond came out of a meeting and the market just tanked like out of nowhere. <laughs> and like, there was like, dude, there's something going on here, right? There is institutional level trading. Like at the end of the month, there's this portfolio rebalancing, but like something is definitely fishy where now there seems to be much more of a coordinated effort between Wall Street and whoever's doing the pumping that's which dead, which right? is insane you know but, that's, but like that's i don't know so what, i don't know us. the inner workings it's, of it right but like there's something right. different of like the administration that's in place now and their ties to the fed and wall street versus who was in place in 2008 2009 and jason there's definitely stuff like the fed basically coming out and saying like we'll basically buy anything and everything in order to like prop up industries and if you remember like the flash crash of december 2018 those mm -hmm. rates spiked and basically since then the fed's been pumping like 30 plus billion dollars, if not more, every single day into these like overnight markets to sort of keep, let's just talk about it as like the general plumbing of the financial system moving. So even from like that point, 2018, it was like, well, something's going on here that's like not working properly because there needs to be this like gnarly intervention that hasn't been needed before. But honestly, I don't know. That's like getting really deep. I don't know how that stuff works. I don't know the inner workings. I just know that it was like, huh, that's curious. We've never seen that before. And there seems to be a lot of money that's getting pumped in to kind of keep things moving, you know, uh, in a smooth way. I'll speak to like the macro level of like what quantitative easing is, because I think that's what they're, right. these means are referring to in terms of the pumping. So quantitative easing means like Banks only have as much resources as the government allows them. And so the, if the banks can get the funds and the capital for cheaper, then they can lend to more people. And ultimately, the trickle-down effect is government, bank, everyone else. People, businesses, corporations of all sizes, they aren't cash flowing. Most of them are running on, hey, we have capital from taking on debt, right? right. And so if you can make the access to debt cheaper, then you can put more access to capital out to the people, right? And so what they're doing is basically buying these treasury bills, uh, making sure that the cost of capital goes down and buying up that debt right. so that there's cheaper capital for the banks to access to be able to funnel down to everyone else. Yeah, and Steve, let me add to that. I bring up my dad a lot in these podcasts. Part of the reason Republicans, conservatives love Reagan is that when Jimmy Carter was president, interest rates were at like 17, 20%, like something yeah, yeah. stupid high. And so you really mm -hmm. had this like stall in the economy where small businesses couldn't take out loans because you'd have to charge so much for whatever your product is to make back just the interest. And so Reagan came in and just slashed all those interest rates down. 
and the economy picked up. And so that's part of this whole trickle-down idea that you were talking about. That's showing how it goes kind of in the historical context. And I don't know if that's just the game the Republicans played and that's that's how they were able to do it or if there really is some like real economics behind it. But um, No, it's a, it's a good point because the other example to that is like most of our parents' generation probably owned a home at one point with mortgages of interest rates of like upper teens, right? 17, 18, 19%. And so, yes, crazy the, with, with interest rates coming down definitely help us too. But if you think about like the absolute dollar value of who this benefits, right? Like we're, we're benefiting on like the hundreds of thousands of dollars of like whatever the mortgage is. Fucking corporations are in the billions. Like I've, <laughs> uh, I've underwritten credit facilities that are at one to 2%. They can borrow up several billions of dollars at one to 2%. I just think about that. <laughs> your your fucking credit card interest rates at seventeen percent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we're like talking about purchasing power for us personally. Be like, I can maybe buy one day a million dollar home at three or four percent, and I'll borrow you know six hundred grand right. or seven grand, whatever it is. Like that's right. huge for us. But one more bank anecdote: like when you lend to an investment grade company, there's something called LIBOR, which is like the London bank interest rate. My point is like. But when we lend to these corporate companies, we go LIBOR plus nothing. We basically oh, wow. don't make any, we make no interest money on these companies. But think mm. about it: like the government, by keeping the interest rate down, benefits the corporations, and the banks don't even profit off of that. But for them, it's like you know, it gets them in the door with these companies to be able to sell them other things. Oh, right, that's, I see. That's, I that's see. your that's your foot in the door. So you're selling the 2002 red Mustang, and then <laughs> but hoping that they'll upgrade to like. 50 MSGs and like double exhaust pipes. Yeah, I don't know. Know. I'm not going to entertain that question. And I'm like, I'm like even super offended what you by think MSGs mean, but let's I have just no move idea. On from that horrific, horrific analogy. <laughs> Let alone that you brought up a fucking mistake. <laughs> I have a question that's dealing maybe a little more on um, on the macro level. Steve, you mentioned like the jig being up. And how if we keep like printing this money, like eventually the value of the dollar is going to go down. Sure. But if the entire global economy is going down, if China for the first time in 30 years is going down, London, all these other places, all their value, all their currency is devalued, what does it matter if we keep printing, if it's compared to, to other currencies anyway? I think the bigger thing that I'm worried about, all these public companies are being fluffed up, right? But who's investing? It's not just us, right? It's the institutional money we're talking about, that's 401ks. Right, that's pensions. Mm, right. This is like 2008 all over again when like, or like even like Madoff, right, with the Ponzi scheme. Who right. got fucked? Retirees, right? People had to go back to work after they retired because their 401k got fucked, right? Currency devaluation, yes, all that. But I think the bigger, the bigger bubble that's starting is companies being overvalued and the market not reflecting the true state of where things are. True that everyone else is going down too, but... Steve, is it Everyone? fair to say that like a lot of these companies, a lot of their earnings reports and their fundamentals are trash? Tesla should be like a two hundred dollar company, and it's like you know it's like eight hundred. Is that so, true? So, okay. Like, so, perfect example is Netflix. Right. Their investment grade is they're a junk bond company. Like every time you take out corporate debt, they rate your debt based on like performance metrics. A, triple B, all the way down. Netflix is a junk bond company because they have so much fucking debt, but it doesn't <laughs> matter. Right. So, it doesn't so how matter. Are, like they all have these god awful fucking statements. And it's like, but how do you continue to increase in value? Promise of the yeah. future. Yeah. 
but when is the future impact <laughs> modern day value? <laughs> like, I don't when is the because all of these fucking companies are operating on a loss, and it's I mean, look at Amazon. Crazy. How long were they unprofitable for? Like the first like twelve years of existence, but like their stock keeps like going up, right? So it's like. Um, I, I will I will just throw out one more point. Like, yeah. what is to keep a public company from acting responsibly if they're always going to be able to bank on the, the government bailing them? I know, I'm just, right? I'm, I'm just, like, just going to do that. Like, that's the one thing. Dude, I'm gonna do. the worst thing about it is the people who actually get like punished are literally fired with a golden parachute of like <laughs> like twenty billion twenty million dollars. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that's like, the worst thing that can happen to you. <laughs> so, so okay this is a good time to transition because um my strategy has been look like i'm not going to sit here and try and analyze and guess and predict the market i'm going to just try and ride the coattails of these motherfuckers because you can't do it any other way and steve and me like we're like okay let's be smart unemployment skyrocketing obviously we should bet that the market's going to go down but it just goes against it because manipulating it so <laughs> just uh, kidding this is where sean you come in because you started preaching to me about dollar cost averaging yeah i mean dude honestly it just comes down to the fact that you like you said who knows what the fuck this market is right who knows what days up what days down i certainly don't have any technical know-how on like how to read a balance sheet which companies are in a strong position or not you know like so all i'm betting on is that like the American and the global economy will continue to kind of grow in whatever way into the future, right? Like, you know, I don't have the time to just sit in front of a computer, watch CNBC and like look at charts and shit that I don't even know what I'm, that I'm looking at, you know? Mm -hmm. So like my whole approach is just to like buy the entire market, you know? So I'm rarely ever like picking companies, you know, like, interesting. okay, okay. you've got your apples, you've got your Amazons, got your Berkshires, you know, you've got like the big companies that are probably here to stay in, in some capacity. I mean, the investment vehicles that I approach are like index fund, right? Which is basically just like a giant fund that holds a fuck ton of companies. And in most of these companies, you know, the top 10 holdings are your fangs, are your just massive companies that have been around forever. So your Amazons, your Facebooks, your Googles, right? Like you name it. They're so while you don't get the massive returns like you get when you fucking bought Tesla at 150 10 months ago and then it jumped to 950, you know, you still sort of distribute that risk because you've got some big winners, right? Like Amazon over the years. And then you also have some losers because you literally just hold everything and you're banking sort of on all companies and sort of all economies growing as a whole. Like if you believe in Facebook, right? Like you believe it's going to continue to grow and flourish and presumably their stock price is going to continue to do the same. So it doesn't really matter, right? If you bought it $100 today, $90 yesterday. Let's say your schedule falls on a day where the market is yeah, Tuesdays and up. Fridays. So I've been trying to do what you, so I started with Facebook um, and I was like, right. cool, I'm going to buy five shares today. And then like in a week, I'll buy another five shares. But a week later, sure. like it was super high. And I was just yeah. like, eh. Like, do I have to buy yeah. today? But, but, like, but high for what? Your strategy is, right? It's right. high, high for, for now. What? Relative to yesterday or, yes. like, well, relative okay. to where you think it's going to be 10 years from now? Yeah. And so I guess that's the difference, Jason, is, like, I've literally never sold anything in my portfolio. Like, straight up. I'm only a buyer. Yeah, straight like, up. I've literally crazy. never sold anything. Yeah, I know. I'm like, but that's I'm like, also because I'm like 80% I... that way, too. No way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, okay. literally never. But and again, it's like this. You only hold indexes, is what you're saying? 
I mean, over the last month and a half, I've started to splash on individual Ooh. companies. Tell me an individual company you uh, you invest in. It's interesting because you only do indexes. It's one that sure. You and again, I already have exposure to all the big companies, so it's really just kind of like focusing in on some of those. So like, I've started building an Apple. I've started building in Berkshire. Um, interesting. Allied I, Financial I, and online banking. If you're familiar. Uh, not too happy about Alex. I mean, I don't know. Fucky boss. <laughs> I know. Shout out to Haas. The reason why I actually ended up buying because I do bank with them. Like I have a fair bit of cash with them just for like potential down payment. And I actually dig their product. And it's like super easy, all online, no bullshit, whatever. It's super cheap, you know? Um, it is so we'll cheap, unfortunately. Um, so. <laughs> you know? Okay. So you say spend uh, buy mostly index funds and then dollar cost average for me at least i'm like whatever set it on a schedule it comes out of my bank account i don't even ever see the money i don't even see whether oh, i so buy you don't it even down. see oh, oh you have it automated oh man oh yeah i could dude, yeah, that's dude, so like oh, scary yeah, don't fuck with any of that yeah Interesting. i mean you know okay again it's it's long Sean's term. gonna retire before all of us i know i, I know saying, you're gonna be much better off I didn't than think I about am, that so I mean, that's the plan, y'all. And it's not as crazy as it probably sounds to all of us in this conversation, you know? It's certainly not you as know, sexy, big, but it like... It's definitely... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sean, it, you, your plan doesn't look like it's wearing lingerie, oh, but... God. Did you just see, like, all... <laughs> I guess I'd still hit it. Two of them drop off the stream. Yeah, it's really, like, super <laughs> fucking boring. But, no, but I mean, uh, honestly, you know. like having gone through what is now maybe four to five years of this shit, like that is, I should have done that in the beginning. So <laughs> you think you can do this for fucking 30, 40 years and still come out ahead? Like people do and people can, but like, yo, I just don't have time for that shit. I, I got really things that want. No, Sean, what's your retirement age? What, what are you thinking? I'm like, I want out by the time I'm 40 or rather like, I don't want to like pull a paycheck from someone by the time I'm 40. Yeah. I want out in like five years time, you know? Wow. Um, okay. But I'm also not like, yo, I need 10 million bucks. You know what I mean? I'm like, no, yeah, I live yeah, a yeah. basic life. You know, we travel well, shout out credit cards, you know, what Wait, else? Why haven't yeah, we gotten into, into that yet? Steve, are you into these, this credit card game? No. Dude, you guys are leaving money on the table, I think. <laughs> Let's say I know that I'm going to be spending $1,000 on that ticket. Sure. I find a credit card that says if you spend two k in three months, you get 80,000 points for any use or for whatever flights or whatever it would be. And mm. you get that credit card. You spend the 3000 bucks, Then you don't spend a penny more on that shit. You use your points. And then you get rid of the credit card. And that's it. Oh, you're doing this, and too. You get so you're like one. Sean's apprentice. I'm mini Sean. I mean, I am like, up. like I said, I'm Tracy McGrady to his Kobe, you know, like I'm yeah. way, way below, like not even close. <laughs> There's a big gap. But, but James yeah, Harden would it's... be the most. What are you doing? But it's like just James Harden travels more than any of those motherfuckers. So you probably we know this. You can't use points at the strip True. club, though. I mean, you know, you yeah. can turn them into dollar bills, though, and use them. Sean, yeah. what I did want to ask you, though, is. What percentage of the total credit cards that you've owned, and if you want to tell people how many you've owned, that's great too. How many have yeah. you actually paid the annual fee on? I mean, it depends. Like, so this all started with like Elaine and I getting engaged, and I was like, dude, I'm gonna spend all this money on a ring. Like, I might as well open like three or four credit cards and split it across. And like, I've probably done like 30, 30 cards. I've slowed down in the last two years, but I've probably done like 35 <laughs> in like the Damn. last, you know. 
Wait, I thought, I thought that every time you cancel the card or something within like a year, like it impacts your credit. Is that yeah? Old so man's you lose tail? five points. Look, I have a very good credit score. What is mine's above yeah. eight hundred? Every time I cancel a card, that shit falls to about seven eighty, seven ninety. Two months later, I'm back above eight hundred, like clockwork. Are you also checking your credit score more than once a year? I I, check, I well, I, you get it through your credit card now. You get monthly updates on your credit card for free, so that's I'm not that's not an issue. Any of this shit. You probably do, Steve. Credit score is not some like nebulous thing. It's really just like a function of how much outstanding credit do you have, um, and how much are you utilizing, right? So if you have ten thousand dollars in credit that's extended to you, and you've got a thousand dollars debt that's on that, right? You've got like ten percent utilization, and so your right. score is just a function of like how much you're utilizing, how old your accounts are, right? Like, have you managed credit well over years? You know, and that's basically all it is. So yeah, there's a short-term hit. If you close a card, right, you lose that extended credit in, you know, the denominator, right, of how much you're using versus how much you have extended to you. And so it takes a hit, but then it ends up rebounding in two or three months. Um, so it's yeah. just that sort of short-term short-term hit okay. uh, and frankly uh, for all of us anything above 720 740 is prime right like you know steve like anything above that is just like cool i've got a credit score of 800 but like doesn't get you anything more right you're going to get the prime rate if you're at 720 plus right so right. you know you might as well use that to your advantage all y'all and freaking stock up on credit but so this overall, is long -term, it, like, so you have matter. to take a long-term outlook with this too then for sure. Like if you were going to say, hey, I'm trying to close on a house in three months, I'd be like, hey, maybe you should slow it down. You know, but right. I am testing the thesis. Like obviously we haven't bought a house yet, but that is a plan. And God knows at this point when, um, mm. but I've got a shitload of credit cards and I'm expecting it to not be a big deal. And I'm expecting to maybe have to like write letters to the underwriter saying, yo, I opened this account just for the points. You'll notice it was always paid on time. There's never been a balance. And Curious. If you want me to but, close it in order to get approved, then I will. But like, you know, is it looked down upon to have that many credit cards? Steve can answer it. Like, as an underwriter, <laughs> yeah. would probably be like, look at this guy's profile. Like, oh, <laughs> he's thirty-five. Hundreds like, of thousands it's a, it's of dollars like in credit. Is it equivalent to like a flight risk when you're trying to set bail? <laughs> yeah. Anyone? Well, Sean, do you have a trusted main card that you use? No, I'm always doing. Oh. I'm always working on something new, baby. <laughs> like it's always. <laughs> <laughs> can't get caught slipping right something like now. what if you're just going it's through a really not. frugal couple months where you're just like you know like you're eating at home every day yeah. and you're just like like for instance quarantine sure. so how are you keeping those don't get a new card yeah there's this idea of manufactured spending right where you basically put spend on the credit card but it's like a buying cash equivalents, right? So you're not actually outlaying money, but you're buying cash equivalents, converting those into cash, and then paying off the credit card with that. So thing. like like rent. Uh, yeah, rent. Yeah, is but a great some of those some of those will charge you three percent. So if you look at um, Venmo, for example, there's a three percent transaction charge for using your credit card, and that's specifically so that you don't do what Sean's talking about. So you have to be Which, tricky like, about it if you're going to do it. But if you're just using it, say, to get a, a big bonus that's worth five or eight hundred dollars, and you're like, "Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to use this service that costs three percent. That's going to eat into my five or eight hundred dollars, but I'm still going to be up, you know, four or seven hundred dollars. It's worth it to never have to like get up off the couch, you know, and just pay my rent in this way. You know, it's right. not maximally efficient, but there's still ways to do it. Rent is one of them. Car payments, one of them. Mm -hmm. um, 
yeah, and we can go like much deeper than that. But yeah, because I was like, dude, the, the main thing would be those bills, you know, like those big bills you're paying yeah. all the time. If there was a way to do Every that on month. credit cards and like, fuck yeah. I just, it's funny because like when you, you told me about to this, I tried to do it and like it happened to be one of those frugal months. I was like, I'm not spending any money besides groceries and I get like sure. six six percent back <laughs> you know so like sure. literally that's all i was doing and i was like i don't yeah. like i couldn't figure out a way to actually spend up to that amount of money so yeah um pay ahead your car insurance pay ahead your cell phone bill if you're not gonna meet it right like think of like ways to not actually go out and like i said buy a mustang or whatever the fuck it is that you spend your money on like right and just buy things that you normally would right so sean's personal finance tips are basically buy index funds um dollar cost average so don't just like blow your load on one thing uh split that up over various months until you can get an average of the actual price of that stock instead of it like exploding up one way or the other and don't waste credit card transactions and make sure you're getting points for everything that you spend money on and never sell and never never sell sell. which is such a crazy we're all in accumulation We'll wrap the finance part off here, and I just wanted to end this with one question, which is, um, Steve, how do you feel about turning your back on all these little Korean kids and getting buff and just telling them that, like, they can't succeed in America looking like them, and they have to look like Kamal Nanziani? If Kamal wasn't Asian, this wouldn't be an issue. This is a two-part question. Um, This is stupid. This is the dumbest. This is the dumbest. Like this is the dumbest non-issue ever. Do you consider Kamal because he's funny? He can't work out. Do you consider him Asian? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You hesitated there a little bit. Gotta be honest. (laughs) If I told you my favorite Asian character was Apu from Simpsons, you wouldn't. You wouldn't flinch. No. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, you know, he was he was a hilarious pudgy comedian and everyone who saw him was like, "Oh my god, this unattractive pudgy guy can be famous in Hollywood." It made so many people around the country probably like like strive to be an actor. And then what does he do? He goes and gets ridiculously so much buffer than that Marvel didn't even want him to be that buff. And he went and he spit on the faces of all his followers, and you did the same thing. So, and you know what? <laughs> you you did it before him, actually. I gotta say. I was gonna say he's been beefy Lee for yeah, quite a while now. You did it before him, so like you're actually. Wait, wait, wait! I think Jason needs to stop suppressing our people by classifying <laughs> Asian dudes that have to sit behind a fucking computer monitor and stay scraggly and poop in a little bucket. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no fucking shame. And lifting that fucking weight once in a while. Like, how do you feel about that, dude? People looked up to I you. Feel just you were, fine. But you said no, yeah. fuck you guys. You gotta work out and be buff for anyone to respect you. And that's what you did, and that's what Kamal Nanziani did. And, and it's fun. I think Jason's done it too, to be honest. Have you seen Jason recently? Some uh, broad ass shoulders. Dude. Up weight. Well, here, but my bad. My boy was born with that. That's hilarious. <laughs> Those triangles are inborn. Um, I mean, I mean, Orchard puts this around like six months before he goes to Birding Man, where he's going to be half naked most of the time. Like, Steve, what work should I do? So let me ask you, Jason, are you better than me because you want to get sexy for one I, event so you can post Instagram pictures? <laughs> or I'm doing it yeah. just because I want to be healthier in life. Dude, you got some good photos out of it. 
live long. Well, that's I mean, a good photo. I mean, you got some sexy V lines, Jay, but I mean, you know, like you can't just turn that around me because it's a. I can't believe you remember that. It was like 10 p.m. on a weekday, and I think I like texted Steve. I'm like, yo, I'm going to Burning Man. Like, how do I get buffered? <laughs> <laughs> and like i wasn't i really like i wasn't kidding i was like dead serious yeah. and so uh thing to say. <laughs> hey steve how do i get like buff yeah. <laughs> oh, so good anyway um thank right. you guys for joining me tonight hopefully we can talk more about the crazy stock market uh, buy your options Wait. talk to nav <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> thank you guys and uh, we'll catch you soon good it was work. a good one <laughs>